Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land of the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moray. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Haley. Um, I'm going to pray for us, but kind of like we did last week, before I do, um, just to remind us that this is a two-way street, and that uh, more than anything, what we need is the Holy Spirit to come in His power and reveal God's Word to us in a way that we can hear and understand and be convicted and be changed. And so I'm going to leave a little space before I start to pray so that you can pray for me, um, pray for clarity, pray for conviction, pray for me to be open to his leading, pray for yourselves that you'll be able to hear and receive and desire to hear from him, and then I'm going to pray for us and we'll, we'll keep rolling. Father, we are here gathered because you have gathered us. For whatever purposes we believe that we've walked into this place, you have your purposes for us. And nothing is possible until the Holy Spirit comes and makes it possible, Lord. No, nobody can respond to your word. Nobody can uh, have faith. Nobody can move towards you unless you call. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, Lord, I pray that you would call today. I pray for those who do not know you who maybe think that they do or tell other people that they do but really don't, Lord, that you would call them in a new way where they would hear you calling their name and they would respond and their life would be transformed. And I pray that for those of us who have, who have been called by you, that you would continue to call us, continue to lead us, continue to uh, make your name great in our lives as you bestow your, your love and mercy and grace on us uh, because we don't deserve it, Lord. You, you've just come because... You have chosen us, you set your affections on us, and you love us, and you have, you have called us, and you are leading us, and you will lead us all the way home. And so, Lord, come today and do whatever you deem necessary in each one of our lives, both as a, an individual and as a community. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 
Okay, so um, like I said, if you haven't been with us, this is uh, Genesis 1 through 12. This, we're calling this series Origins. Uh, this is the origin of all things, uh, going back even to the origin of space and matter and time, but also the origin of humans and good and evil and marriage and sexuality and all the things. And so today we're, we're talking about uh, the origin of God having a people in the world um, separate and set apart from the rest of the people in the world. We've talked about sin. We've talked about how sin has come through Adam and has spread to all. Uh, and even though God had his purposes for wiping out all of the world except for Noah and his family with the flood, uh, that Noah and his family still carried sin. They were still dwelling in these bodies of flesh. And so sin was not completely wiped away from the face of the earth. And the Lord said he was not going to do anything like that again. And so now we have this population of people growing and spreading out and filling all the world through Noah and his descendants. And we talked last week about the Tower of Babel, and it's a really beautiful juxtaposition of last week versus this week. Last week we had a group of people who had already come together and within the relatively short time frame after the flood had decided that we really don't need God and we're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to make ourselves great. And so God came and disrupted that. But amongst all of those people, everyone following after their own gods, uh, their own selves, um, God has come and he has chosen and called a man here, Abram, but also through Abram, a people. And so, you know, as, as our children have started to ask us, well, why did these people live this way? Because, like, don't they know that Jesus said that that's not good? I'm like, yeah, well, you know, uh, we also do some of those things. But also, um, this is the reason. Like, we're talking about that today. Is like there, there are going to be a lot of people who live life differently because they are not gods. They have decided not to follow him. They don't know him. Um, they are, they are following after a different pattern, after the course of this world. And then God has come in his mercy and grace, has called and pulled people out of that into relationship with himself and said, come, come and follow me. And so that's what we see here with Abram in the beginning of, of God calling a people to himself. And it starts with the call. The Lord initiates all of this with Abram. Um, we know from Joshua 24, verses 2 and 3, that Abram, um, he's talking back uh, about Abram and says that Abram and his people were pagans, which means that they did not worship God. They did not worship the one true living God. They worship many different gods. And there are some, some uh, historians who say that uh, the people where Abram is from worship the moon god. And so we don't know, maybe that's who Abram uh, learned to worship from his ancestors. Uh, but he is coming from a pagan people and so we know that he is not chosen or called because of any inherent goodness. Abram is not trying to follow God. He is not trying to live life according to the way that God has called him to live. And we also know from scripture, if we back up a little bit before this passage, that his wife Sarai is barren. She can't have children. And in that, in that culture, that was an even bigger deal than it is now. Because that was your lineage, that was your... Um, your generations, your, your line continuing through is a very, very important thing. And so Abram is 75 years old, which is, even though lifespans were longer back then, that was still relatively old, and his wife was barren, so it looked as though he had no future. So we know that he was not chosen because of any inherent goodness, and he also was not chosen because of any inherent greatness. He was not bringing anything to the table. 
the Lord just showed up in his life unannounced, unsought out, and calls to Abram and invites him into relationship with himself. And he says, leave your people, leave your father's home, and go into the land that I will show you. I just want to stop and appreciate the significance of that call. It's very easy to read this passage and just brush right over that. But this unknown God, it doesn't say that he showed up visibly at this point. So maybe Abram just hears the voice of a God, a deity, who is speaking to him and says, I want you to leave everything that you know. I want you to leave your customs, your values, the things that your people prioritize, the gods that they worship, and I want you to follow me into this place that I will show you later. He, he didn't even give him any details about where he was taking him. He gave him nothing except his voice and the promise coming through his voice to Abram. And, and to leave all of these things is, you know, it's a picture of us as we follow our Lord in faith is he's saying, I'm calling you to disentangle. There is a way that you have learned to be in this world. There is a culture that you've come up in. There's a, a mixture of a million cultures that you've come up in, from your, your family, your people, where you went to school, the kind of neighborhood you lived in, um, the kind of work that you do, all of these things, all these different cultures coming together and shaping who you are and what you care about and what you spend your time on and what you value and what you prioritize and what you think is good, what you think is bad, what you think is right and what you think is wrong. And he's saying, when I call you, when I invite you and call you to follow me, I am telling you, you need to leave all of those things. You need to disentangle with all of those things. You may stay in the same physical places, but what I'm telling you is that I am now your God, and I am the one who is giving you your ethics. I'm the one who is giving you your priorities. I'm the one who's giving you your values. And it's this process as we learn to follow Jesus of disentangling with what we've inherited that's not from him and, and acquiring a new way of life that comes from him. It's the exact opposite. This call is the exact opposite of the Tower of Babel episode from last week. The Tower of Babel is we're going to stay put, we're going to ground ourselves, we're going to gather all of our power, all of our forces, and we're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to make our name great. We are going to do this in our own power so that we don't need God. We never have to feel dependent. We never have to feel small. We never have to feel humble. But we're going to do this over here. And God's saying, that is a way. That is a way to live life. But if you are following me, if you are my people, it's going to look very different. I'm actually calling you out of security. I'm calling you out of the known into the unknown on a journey. You're, you're never going to fully reach home in this life. You're going to be on the road. You're going to be, you know, as, as you may have heard through Christian traditions, pilgrims on the way. You're moving to a home that is not here. And on this road, you will not be behind a big tower. You will not be behind a big city wall. You will be on the road and you will be exposed. You'll be exposed to all of the elements. You'll be exposed to all the wild animals. You'll be exposed to all of the other people groups that may want to harm you. And when you are on the road and you are exposed and you're made to feel your smallness, you will know 
that I am your God, that I am the one who protects you, that I am the one who calls you out, I'm the one that leads you somewhere, and I'm the one who will get you there. This God is the journey and the destination. You know, when he calls Abram to leave all of these known entities and to follow him to this place that he will show him, it's very important that what he said is, is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you to this place that I'll show you later, and not giving him some alternative set of circumstances for Abram to weigh and decide that this is better. Because it's not about better circumstances. It's not like God came and said, I want you to leave all of this, so I will give you more money, more resources, more fame, more fortune. Because the reward is him. The reward is being in relationship with God the way that we were created, the way that we were designed, the very purpose of our being. Philippians 3.8, Paul says it like this, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. To just know God. The surpassing worth of knowing God. Nothing is too prized to give up for that. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So this is the call. And so then in verse 4 we see, um, it says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. And that's crazy, right? That's absolutely crazy that this God shows up and just speaks and doesn't give any details and says, hey, you should just leave everything and everyone and just go, just start walking in this direction. And it says, Abram said, okay, yeah, that sounds good, I'll do that. What, what is going on here? Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Something was happening in Abram already at this point. When God spoke to him, something was stirring in him, creating a positive response in him to say, yes, this mysterious God who I don't really even know yet, there's a way in which I don't know him at all and yet I do know him. Because of the familiarity of his voice, he's speaking to me personally. And there's something about his voice and the way that he's speaking to me that I just know that this is good and that I need to follow him. You know, I don't know what your story is of coming to faith in Christ, but for me it happened when I was in college. And, and it was, I can relate to this, is all of a sudden he just started speaking to me and I didn't, I mean, looking back now, I, don't, I didn't really know him. I didn't know a lot about him. I just, I'd heard things, you know, I'd grown up in church and had heard things, but it, none of it, it was all, like, none was really sinking in. And then all of a sudden, it was just, I knew that he was real, that he was speaking to me, that he wanted something for me, and that we were in a relationship, and, and what he said, I, I wanted to try to, to do, to try to follow and this is what theologians call the effectual call. Uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith says this, the effectual call is of God's free and special grace alone, not from anything that is at all foreseen in the individual who he is calling. That person is altogether passive in this whole process until being quickened and renewed by the Holy Spirit, that person is thereby enabled to answer this call and to embrace the grace offered and conveyed in it. 
Um, I came across a sermon from Charles Spurgeon, who's one of the greatest preachers of all time. Um, and he, he talked about the effectual call, and he talked about these different elements. And I thought this was, was perfect. He said, um, the effectual call is gracious. Like the Westminster Confession just said, it's not for anything foreseen or present in the person. It's not anything that they've earned from God. It's all grace. It's all a gift. It's personal. You hear God saying your name. It's not just a, a generic call to many people, but it's a call specifically to you in your soul. It's immediate. There's no waiting. There's no, you know, we'll see about that later. But when he calls, it is immediate action of, okay, yes. The answer is yes right now. It's humbling. It's that now you are Lord and I'm not. I remember um, saying that in that moment when I came to faith of like, I'm so tired and I'm so confused and I don't know what life is all about. If you're real, like you can have the keys, like you can do this. And so it's a, it's a humbling of I'm now following you. You're my shepherd and not the other way around. It's affectionate. You, you sense his love for you, his care for you, that this is for, for your good, that it's permanent, that nothing can change it. He won't change his mind and nothing can take you away from him, that it's powerful, that it's actually effective, that it actually when he speaks it into your life, it changes and transforms your life and your understanding of yourself and of him and of this world. And it's necessary uh, because apart from him, we are doomed. Apart from him, we are still dead in our sin. And it is his call in our lives uh, that is leading us to new life in Christ. It's like Jesus says in John 10, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one, including them, is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You know, and at, at Midtown West, we, we talk about, you know, our vision. Can somebody give us our vision? Everybody knows it. On adventure with Jesus. To be set free, set others free, and enjoy that freedom together. Way to go, guys. So the beginning of that vision statement, this is what we're talking about. When we say we are on adventure with Jesus, we are talking about the effectual call of God in our lives. We're talking about this story with Abram, and we're talking about basically every story with everyone else in the rest of Scripture. Every time we see God in the life of a person, it is always a call to be a pilgrim on a journey. It's never settled. It's come and follow me to this new place. And that's what he's saying to us. That's what it is to be a Christian, is to come on adventure with Jesus. The, reasons, the reason that it's an adventure is because we don't know where we're going, because we can't take ourselves there. We have to follow him. We have to humble ourselves, like Spurgeon said. It's a humbling call, but it's a powerful call, and it's an affectionate call. And so this Jesus who is full of affection for us and loves us is leading us somewhere that we've never been. And it's not just a physical destination. Uh, in fact, it's, it's much more of an inward journey that he is transforming us. He is making us new. He is changing us. He's leading us to new life in a way that we would never be able to, to lead ourselves. We are pilgrims on the way, individually and together in this body, following Jesus to a place that we've never been. 
And I, I love what it says after it says that Abram went in verse 4, just as the Lord told him. Then we have it, it says, Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and everything that they had. And they set out to go where the Lord called them. And the reason I love that list is because I believe that the Lord put that in there is almost this pitiful list of like, God says, hey, follow me, and I'm going to make, I'm going to do all these great things for you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. And then it just reemphasizes that he didn't choose Abram because Abram had anything great or good to provide. It's just this sad picture of he didn't have any of his own kids. He had a barren wife. He was old. He was coming from a pagan land, and he had his nephew with him because his brother had died. And this is what we got. And that's true for us. It's like we're just, when the Lord calls us, we just have what we have. We're in the life that he's given us where we are at this point. And he says, I don't need you to be anywhere else. I don't need you to be in any better circumstance. I don't need you to have done it better five years ago. I'm calling you now as you are now, and you don't have to do the heavy lifting. You just need to hear, and I'm going to make sure you hear. And then just follow me. Just believe and obey and follow me and watch me as I make of you. You know that he says, I will make of you a great nation, as he does the transforming. You just, you just follow me. Come with what you have and follow me. And this is our story because Galatians 3.7 makes plain uh, what is already implicit, that we are by faith the children of Abram. We are Abraham's offspring. It's not those who are the physical descendants of Abraham, but God has been talking all along about the spiritual descendants of Abraham. Those who he would call to himself by faith, we are the offspring of Abraham. So this is the beginning of our family story. And he makes one, one specific aspect of one of the promises that he makes that's really important for us. He says um, in verse 3, And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in verse 7 he says, To your offspring I will give this land. The, all of the world will be blessed including Abraham, through his offspring, who is Jesus. Jesus comes from, from Abram. He is in Abram's line. And he comes, and, and all of the, the ways in which God is being gracious to Abram is possible because of what was going to come later. Because Scripture is really clear that God cannot dwell with sin, um, our, our sin separates us from God. But he's saying, I will be gracious to you because of the way that I am making for you to have relationship with me for all eternity. And that is through my son, through your son, through your offspring who will come. He will come as one who is born of the Holy Spirit, but he is also born of woman through Abram's line. And he will come and he will be crucified. He will die in our place so that our sins can be forgiven. And he will be raised from the dead to show that, that God was pleased with the sacrifice and that it was sufficient. And that we who believe in this Jesus who has come for us uh, have new life in him. And so as Abram is trying to follow this call, um, God's call in his life, he has nothing to go on but the voice of God. 
He has nothing to go on but the effectual call of God's voice speaking to him in a way that is powerful, and that is enough. And we have that. We have God's effectual call on our lives. We have God's voice speaking to us in a way that we can hear and understand and be transformed, but we also have something far greater than what Abram had. We have something to look at. He said to Abram, go to the land that I will show you, and Abram had nothing to look at. But to us, we have our Jesus. Romans 8, 31 and 32 says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If Jesus has already been sacrificed and already been raised from the dead, then nothing can stop God from finishing and completing all of the precious promises that he's given us. If we can look back and see that it is finished, that all of our sin has been dealt with, all of our sin, past, present, and future, has been dealt with on the cross, so that we never have to fear God again, that we have been brought near to him, and as Jesus said, no one can snatch us out of his hand. If we have life in him and he is leading us home, he is leading us to the promised land, he is leading us to our eternal home, then he will finish what he started. And there is nothing that I can do to stop him, there is nothing that you can do to stop him. There is nothing that anyone, any power in this world, spiritual, human, or otherwise, can do to separate the love of God from his people. And now we can always look back on this, our precious Jesus, who was crucified and raised from the dead, and say, we know, we know with certainty that all of these promises are going to be yes and amen and completed in Christ because of what God has already done. And so now, the second half of this passage is basically just describing the life of faith. And it, this is our life too, as people of faith. God leads Abram to Canaan. And he says, I will give your offspring this land forever. And, and at the time, that land was occupied by a very powerful people. And so God is telling Abram, I'm going to do something that seems impossible now. And the full realization of this promise fulfilled is a long way off. You're not going to get to see it in this life, Abram. This is something that I'm going to do for your offspring many, many, many generations later. And he has partially fulfilled that. He did, many generations later, give the land to God's people, Israel. But the ultimate fulfillment of this is the new heavens and the new earth. So we have still not yet seen the ultimate fulfillment of this promise. And so we see Abram's response to God is always worship. He worships him for the future, for what he hasn't seen yet, for the promises that God's made to him. He's, he's listening to him. He can hear his voice. He can hear his effectual call. God is speaking to him in a way that he can believe and trust in. And so he builds, when it says he builds an altar, that's him worshiping God. He builds an altar and worships him for his promises of what's to come in the future. And he worships him for the past. You, you've called me out of this little life and this disconnected life from you, and you have connected me to life. You have given me purpose. You have given me hope. You have given me yourself, the very thing that I was created for. So he worships him for the way that he has called him out of what was not life to give him life. And then he worships him in the present. You know, it says later that he, uh, verse 8, from there he moved on and he pitched his tent in the hill country. He didn't build a city, but he pitched a tent because he was on this journey, on the road. 
And that's what's true of us spiritually. And it says he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And, and what he's doing in worship is he is celebrating God for who he is, for the goodness that he's done for him, past, present, future. In this moment, I need a place to lay my head, and you've given it to me. This is not a lasting city, but you've given me a tent, you've given me cover, you've given me a place to lay my head, and it's enough. And I worship you for that. And to call upon your name is to call upon you for the things that I need, that I don't have. I have needs, and you are my God, you're my provider, you're my shepherd, you're my keeper, and so I'm gonna make those needs known to you in the context of worship, and you're gonna hear me, and you're gonna take care of me because you love me. Not because I'm worshiping you, or because I'm a good boy, or because I'm doing my part, but because you are gracious and you love me and you've set your affection upon me. And so as he goes through, that, that's a, a picture for us is we, we are not home. This is not our home and trouble comes when we try to make this our home. We demand that this be our home and we start treating people differently, we start treating God differently and all of a sudden we're in charge and we're sitting on the throne and we're demanding that things work out a certain way. And the anxieties that we so often experience are, are really not about the need, that, the felt need that we have. It's about us not having the resources that we think we need to meet that need ourselves. And so what God is calling us into, what the life of faith is, what it is to follow Jesus and be his disciple, is to trust him. You know, I, I heard one counselor say it like this. Uh, when people would come into her office and, and have all these these like being so spun up and all these worries, she would just stop him and say, what is one thing that you need right this very second that you don't have? And there's just a, a calm that would just fall and just realize, yeah, like the Lord has always been faithful to me. This may not be what I wanted. This may be very painful. This may not be the way that I wanted this to work out, but he has never left me. He has always given me exactly what I need exactly when I need it. It's not going to be early. It's not going to be in abundance so that I can store it up and take care of and defend myself and provide for myself. But it's going to be what I need when I need it. And Jesus says this too in, in Matthew 11. He says, my yoke is easy. Like if you will let me be your shepherd, it's actually easy. I'll do all the transformation. I'll do all the heavy lifting. You just follow. Just hear my voice and come after me where I'm calling you. And I think just a, a very fitting end of this passage is this last verse, and Abram journeyed on. Like, he didn't get there. And, and in this life, we're not going to get there. And if we know that, then that helps us live the way that the Lord's calling us to live in this life as we look toward our true home, which is coming. So as we get ready to go into this summer series, um, we're really thinking about being on adventure with Jesus, going where we've never been before, and helping him, or, or um, helping each other hear and follow him, and letting him shape us in new ways for the next leg of the journey as we continue to follow him to our true home. Uh, and now uh, I'm going to pray for us, and as I pray, um, Doreen Stelling is going to come up and share a little bit about what it's been for her to follow him on this journey. Father, we are, we are so little, we are so frail, and there is something in us that just fights and rails and rebels against this reality that we cannot 
fully experience home and safety and security and peace and joy uninterrupted in this life. And there's so many times that in our sin, in our pride, in our flesh, we want to demand that things be as they should be right now. And we will do maybe whatever is necessary to make things that way. So Lord, in your kindness and your grace, the same way that you showed up to us uh, and called us, would you continue to show up and call us uh, to turn back to following you, to put down our tools of trying to build us a city to make our own name great here, and to just trust you and to see you as the reward, to see you as our glory, to see you as our true life, our, tr our true home, our true peace, our joy, um, you are life itself, Lord, and would we follow you and let you lead us and shepherd us into what is truly life. In Jesus' name, amen. I was um, been nervous to come up and talk, but I'm excited now because um, things I'm sharing are some of the same details that Matt preached on. Now, he told me the theme and the passage um, but I didn't know the details, so I just think it's really cool. The Lord um, it's confirmed some of that uh, in the story, parts of the story I'm going to tell. Um, it was 40 years ago that Jesus drew me into a personal relationship with him. Uh, not only have I grown in knowing the Lord more intimately over the years, I've also grown in knowing myself better. However, the Lord is not finished with me. Um, but I kind of want to give a flyover view of the decades of my life. Um, in my 20s, I needed the structure of Bible study, church, and regular alone times with the Lord to teach me and grow me in my knowledge of Him, as well as establish good habits. But I had a view that I would grow spiritually and morally in this upward trajectory, becoming better and better at living the Christian life. In my 30s, I began feeling uh, or experiencing some bouts um, of depression because life wasn't as smooth as I thought it would be by then, or more accurately, I wasn't as together as I hoped or expected I would be. I've kept a lot of journals over the years, and occasionally I will um, pick one up uh, to see where I was at compared to where I am now. And so many times, I'm apologizing to the Lord for not doing better or asking help to be better at X, Y, or Z. Um, and so much of what I wrote, it seems over the years, has to do about um, improvement or expressing my internal shame about not being better. Um, by my late 30s, I'm asking the Lord to make me a woman of definition by the time I turn 40 because <laughs> I feel pulled in so many dire directions. Uh, and it was around this time that I read a book by uh, Brendan Manning called Ruthless Trust. He battled alcoholism off and on through the years, um, but the Lord used his book to kind of uh, change my paradigm on life. Uh, it was his expression, Manning's expression of God's grace and amazing love in the midst of his struggles and his admission of how messy he was. And at the same time, making an impact um, through his writings and speaking because he knew how loved he was by the Father. And Dr. Larry Crabb's book, Shattered Dreams and The Pressure's Off, were also two books the Lord brought into my life. I kind of feel like the Lord was discipling, discipling me through these authors. Um, he said, um, 
for me, he really normalized being a messy human and a follower of Christ. He said, the problem sincere Christians have with God often comes down to a wrong understanding of what this life is meant to provide. That was me. I should have a perfect family. I should have more joy, less struggle, as well as the material things that I expected. And this is still me in a lot of ways. Uh, looking back on my 40s, um, I'm integrating more of the reality and belief that life is not A plus B equals C. It's not guaranteed in relationships. It's not guaranteed in work. It's not guaranteed in my religious self-improvement efforts. I'm not saying there's not cause and effect. There's just no guarantees. And the Lord was showing me that he is the guarantee. He is uh, the true and steady one. So now in my 50s, I've been uh, deepening and expanding my sense of knowing and experiencing Jesus' love for me. I haven't conquered all my demons, but that's not the point. Uh, there's a saying, you take yourself with you wherever you go. And so whatever bad habits Abram had went with him, and the same goes with me. Um, but Jesus loves me. He's pleased with me. He adores me just as I am. And I'm integrating this reality into my soul. And I say integrating because it is. It's like the messy and the beautiful um, living with both. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, yeah, I still I'll struggle off and on with, you know, some feeling feelings of depression or thinking I'm not good enough for whatever or people-pleasing a lot. Um, so if I'm not gonna, going to arrive at some false idea of perfection and holiness, what keeps me going? It's knowing that when my body dies, I will consciously move to another realm with Jesus, and I want to know him as best I can before I see him face to face. The scripture tells us that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and this life is just a shadow or an opportunity to get to know a little of what is to come. Uh, the way I see it and live my life uh, now is that what I see my life now is part of my forever, my forever life. So in fact, instead of coasting into older age, my husband Dave and I have begun something new since we moved to Nashville just over a year and a half ago. We know that God still has kingdom work for us to do. Um, we're never too old too young or too messy in God's eyes uh, to hear him and to be led by him and to be loved by him. So if I'm around in 40 more years, um, I expect to give you all an update then. 